You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I have a very special guest for you. This would be a solo episode, except today I have my dear husband, Ryan, joining us. And I'm very excited because we've had this conversation multiple times and we thought it was about time we bring it to you. Ryan lives a very healthy life in the sense that he's made it to almost 50 years old. He's in good, very good physical condition. He's very strong. He has an incredible work ethic. He's able to run circles around the guys at the job site that are half his age. Um, He knows how to work hard and he has a great uh, libido. So, and excellent erection health. So I thought that we would bring you on, Ryan, to talk about all the things of how to really combat this modern world of what we've turned the modern man into and how to maintain and and, um, keep your testosterone levels happy and healthy. Hello, audience. I'm Ryan. I've never done podcasts before, so this is the first. This is the first go. So you, I met you a couple of years ago, and you were. I was looking for a really healthy man your age, and they didn't seem to exist. And dating in the current world was a disaster for women in my age group. So I was having to date significantly younger men just to find somebody that was relatively healthy, and I. I raised my vibration and I, I firmly believe I manifested you because I realized I have to be the kind of woman that would attract a man like you. So I became that woman and you showed up and I just, I have had literal heart, big gushy heart eyes ever since I met you because you exude vitality and health and vibrancy and you're such a strong manly man, but you're also the kindest man I've ever met. And I always had assumed, I I am guilty of being a feminist in my past life, like hardcore feminist. I mean, I still obviously believe in women's rights, but I thought guys like you were dumb hicks and would be assholes, honestly. So I was very pleasantly surprised and come to realize you had a few tricks up your sleeve, which was... Oh, definitely sleep, being fully well-rested. My work ethic... Uh, getting to the job site in a, on time, fully rested, ready to go, which translates into the rest of your life. You know, when you're not in the tavern at 11 o'clock at night, you're uh, asleep and you're, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which wasn't always the case in my life. But as you well know. Yeah, you were hell on wheels. <laughs> I wasn't always the picture of hell, you know. You were troublesome. <laughs> Well, you've been really transparent and I've shared with my audience often that you have a, you know, you've had your troubles with alcohol in particular. And I've seen pictures of you in the past and you were kind of a hot mess. Definitely not, I, I would say hands down, you're the most handsome I've ever seen you in your life after looking at pictures of you throughout your life. You are so handsome now and so healthy and so uninflamed and so many good things, but I think it has to do with how you've been living your life. And I, this episode, really, I should have said this earlier. I know that the bulk of my audience is women in in my age group, and they are always reaching out to me, asking me, Dr. Tina, how can I get my husband to be healthy like yours? How can I convince my husband to get on the path of health with me? I've listened to your stuff and I started lifting weights and I want to get healthier and I am getting healthier, but my husband won't come with me on the journey. And so the thing I've noticed about you is even with that past, I say this because you had that sorted past, you still got up every day and put your boots on and went to work. Every day. 
every day when I, I started when I was very young, milking cows on our family farm and uh, in the military. I woke up every morning, hung over. You know, we were the most well-trained group of uh, alcoholics, if you will, um, in the world. We drank, we partied hard, uh, we did things we weren't supposed to be doing at 11 o'clock at night. We were supposed to be in bed. But, uh, you know... And uh, we woke up at four or five in the morning and, and went for a run. A lot of guys weren't in real good shape uh, physically, mentally, because they were out partying all night, but they still were out there running every day at five or six in the morning, whatever time. So, yeah, I always had a good work ethic. I tried to do the right thing. So you were bucking hay in the in your teenage years, too, back when they used to do that manually. Like, you've always had... Man, you we you grew up out here on this farm on almost forty acres, and you've spent your whole life here. So you, did you have physical labor jobs every summer? Oh, definitely, definitely. At a real young age, took care of cows, our my own cows, my dad's cows, and um, but in the summertime when you got old enough, you're either cutting firewood for the winter time to stay warm, or you are helping the farmers. Um, buck hay, get hay in for the cattle, uh, helping out the neighbor. We had a herd of sheep. We'd always put hay up in his loft for him. Obviously, they paid us. You know, it wasn't a lot, but they definitely paid us. And we learned how to work with tough old dudes that were a little bit mean. That sounds like you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're a tough old dude who's a little bit mean. Well, I say all of this and I ask this because that was something that was really interesting about your health history is you'd always been active. Even, you know, you went through some pretty severe surgeries as a young person. You had surgery almost, what, like every summer and you'd still go back and play football every fall, like you've never stopped moving. And so when you got to me and you were in your mid forties, I was shocked at how many injuries you'd had, how many surgeries you'd had, how many like severe, massive injury, like crushing injuries of major regions of your body in the steel mill, in life. And yet you, as someone who's whole, I was just closing up my practice at the time and my whole practice was pain and you had no pain. Like I was shocked at how little pain you had. And I realized, because I thought, that's so weird. How does he not have any pain? Like that just doesn't seem human. But you never stopped moving. You've been going since you were born, essentially. And you have always had manual labor jobs. So you've, st- I mean, even though you're an electrician and you're doing like maybe more chill version of labor jobs now, yeah, you're super active always and you've never stopped moving. And I think that is what has kept you from having any kind of chronic pain set in or metabolic dysfunction or any of the other, you know, things that curse most that modern men. That work ethic. I, I blame that 100% on a good work ethic. You get up in the morning prepared to go. If Even if you just it's your off day or you go to church and you chill all day, I mean, whatever. Um, when it's time to go, you're ready to go. You go, you handle it. So you... Would you ever get a desk job? Do you think you'd survive? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I doubt it. I, we in the construction worker we call them carpet walkers. So uh, there's other words for um, the office people, but that's a good clean one here on a family friendly podcast. Is carpet walkers? That's what we call them. They stay in the offices. A lot of them are out of shape. Um, they drink a little too much. Some of them smoke cigarettes, but you know, they hang out in the office all the time and they're smoking and joking, chumming up with the office ladies and the other office dudes when 
the real men are out working. You know, we're getting it. We're in the ditch digging it. You know, you got your operators. You got guys running, uh, two or three guys doing lighting. Whatever it is, you know, it's just it's just a different animal for different people. You're so happy when you come home after it's been hard work. And you always tell me stories how you jump in. If there's manual labor to be done that's hard, like digging ditches, you're on it. Even though as an electrician, that wasn't your job description at the job site. You're helping the guys dig the ditches and haul the big things and move the stuff because you're so physical and you love it. You need to be a good example for the younger guys. The younger guys coming up, they, they they want somebody to lead them. They want somebody to look at. Not necessarily rah rah nonsense i'm talking about they want to emulate somebody they want an example and a lot of their dads weren't the example the brothers might not be the example whatever it is but they're coming in at 19 20 21 22 years old and some of them haven't had real jobs before before and they're they can't hardly operate a a shovel a spade if you will um to dig a hole so it's 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 yeah but to answer your question i definitely would always jump in the ditch to dig um, because I want to be a good example and it, it comes from a good work ethic. You, something that I know because you have a son who's how old's loud and he's 24. I think so, 24. So he's such a good kid and such a nice young man and such a hard worker. You did such a good job. I was telling my mom yesterday, you're such a good dad. It's amazing. And you had a huge hand in raising him. So you... I wanted the audience to hear your crazy. So you spent 20 years in a steel mill and you, when I asked you yesterday, if you work night shift, you were like, well, what's, what was it? 3 PM to 3 AM. So, uh, the shifts out there were four days on and four days off. So if you start on a Monday, then the next week you start on Tuesday and the shifts were 3 AM to 3 PM or 3 PM to 3 AM. Those were primarily the shifts I worked for about 15 years. I probably did seven or eight, 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then the, probably about the same number, the opposite. And there's probably a couple of years I worked 3 p.m. to um, 11 p.m. And that was when I was real young. Get off work at 11 p.m., hit the tavern, go cause trouble, do stupid things. And you're up in the morning, you know, going back to work the next day. But you had this cool schedule at one point where you were able to really have a huge part in your son's life. So you were able to basically raise him when a lot of young kids would be either at daycare or they'd come home and be with mom, which is cool also. But you had this really unique situation. It was cool. I worked 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. And I uh, would get off work and I would get home about... 3.30, 3.30, so I'm in bed sleeping by 4, you know, usually. And you work in a steel mill, so a lot of times you're showering at work most of the time. It's a very volatile, violent, dirty place. So anyway, um, and then I would be, Loudon would, his mom would go to work, and then whatever time he got up, if he got up at 8, I was up at 8. If he got up at 9, I was up at 9. If he got up at 7 a.m., I was up at 7 a.m. with him. And, you know, we had a great time. I didn't have to go back to work till 3 p.m., so I had from 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning, whatever, to 2.30, 2 o'clock p.m. And we rode, this when he was little, before school, but out of diapers and everything, so he's easy. But, yeah, it was great, riding bicycles, hanging out, going to the gym. He loved the daycare center at the gym. He and I would ride our tandem bicycle there and 
have fun and then go have lunch somewhere. And it was a good time. It was good. It was great. So you got to have like a blue collar job working night shift and you raised your son during the day. And that, when you told me that, I was like, does your son know that you didn't sleep for like eight years that you basically didn't sleep? You got like what, three, four hours of sleep. Maybe, maybe. I'd catch a cat nap in there somewhere. You know, if his mom got off early, um, I would maybe catch a nap right before I had to go to work, but it was fine. I was all right with it. So super disrupted sleep schedule. And I say that to bring it back to what you first said when you were like, sleep. <laughs> so when I met you and we were first started dating, I'm trying to teach you all this. It's pretty hard when you meet someone new and you're a naturopathic doctor because we essentially belong to a cult, but we're right. Like we're right about most things, when at least when it comes to our medicine, not the Kool-Aid drinking uh, juicer endies. But we, uh, I, I, we have certain ways about us that are specific and I... For me, dating somebody, it was really important that that person understood and respected those things. And for me, sleep is non-negotiable. That's a big one. If a guy can't sleep, if they snore too loud, if they don't sleep, if they have insomnia, if they have sleep issues, like don't don't want to hang out with them ever again. And you slept so hard when I first met you and I couldn't believe how good you were at it. You were just such a good sleeper, like almost like a kid. Sleep champion right here. <laughs> Number one sleep champion in the United States of America. And you, you, uh, so I was teaching you all my biohacking ways and you're so funny because, well, I don't like that word biohacking, but you know what I mean? I was teaching you all the ways of the force and you were like, Tina, we have to talk about your sleep. Your sleep is a little messed up. And even the other night you were like, what are you doing staying up till 11? Like, what are you doing? I know it's it's paramount, you know. I feel so much better being on a normal real schedule. It took a lot of years, well, 20 in a steel mill plus, you know, however many. But um it took a lot of years for me to really dial it in and then combine that with don't drink alcohol and then combine that with uh, you know, working out not necessarily every day. I, I try to be active every day, but I'm not, you know, deadlifting every single day of my life. You know, I am picking up a hunk of sheetrock or plywood and I'm picking up big old hunks of pipe to throw up in the ceiling somewhere. So you got to you got to work out and stay active and, and be physical, I guess, without necessarily lifting weights or going to the gym. But you got to do something. Well, that brings me to my next thought, which I wanted to ask you about, because you don't spend a lot of time in the gym and I'm often harping on you about it and telling you that you know, you got a deadlift, you got a squat, you got a deadlift, you got a squat. And you're like, is lifting up this giant, whatever, whatever, and putting it somewhere else, like four times in a day, is that considered squatting, Tina? Because that's what I did today. He'll <laughs> say, say something like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, he is. But you are doing a ton of manual labor, which I think is huge and helpful. And I think it's got its own benefits of being what is going to keep you alive a long, long time. Like, I think you're going to live to a very old age, whether you like it or not. But I will say that there's got to be, I think there's got to be something in there added in as you age, because this is a t this is where I'm going with this. You do have these little hiccups where you, you know, move your body or you try to do something on the job site, like you're a 25 year old and you hurt yourself a couple of times. I mean, I've had to bail you out a few times. <laughs> oh, I've hurt myself. <laughs> I have hurt myself bad. Yeah. And these are injuries that if you weren't in my hands and me doing the things that I know how to do with regenerative injections and like the magic 
the magic tools I have at my disposal, um, you would go down the route of most men your age, which is you'd probably end up with a surgery, an orthopedic surgery, and that would be get more surgery. And you probably honestly would have been cut on at least like three different times had you not had me intervene. Well, I mean, I know you're smarter than that and you would have found solutions, but like, I'm just talking about the typical right. male your age, having those kinds of injuries. Those would have been all three surgical situations and you, you know, we've avoided that completely, but that's the only place where I would say lifting is helpful is it keeps you, it keeps those small muscles that you need around your spine protecting you so you don't herniate a disc. But that that's the only reason I harp on you to lift, baby. Oh, that's true. That's true. I do. I hit the gym last night. I know. Worked out some buys and tries and <laughs> did some delts. You know, I really, really got after it. Yes, curls for the girls, Bubba. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you have great sleep. You eat really well. When I met you, I was surprised. I mean, I had to get you off the tater tots because you... Love tater tots. You're right. Who doesn't love tater tots? (laughs) You'll go eat at... You'll go eat at um, wherever the job site is. You'll go eat like at the food cart and much to my dismay. But I have actually seen you at different job sites where you packed your food every day and you just packed... You packed meat and you packed protein and you packed a little carbs and you you have your ritual, which is so impressive. But you often tell me stories of how you eat like that and the other guys on the job site will start asking you questions about how you're eating because they're you eating know garbage. How many guys I've gotten on your system <laughs> because they see me bring out a strategically packed lunch that's awesome. I mean, it's just it has massive amounts of protein, has some sweet potatoes in there, yogurt and some blueberries maybe, but you know, just a great homemade lunch that I sp- spent some time on doing, you know, making it nice. They see that and they see the organization and they see that I'm not grossly overweight and they start asking questions. And that's when I hit them with the, hey, Dr. Tina, have you heard about the podcast, all these things? And then they start sharing it with other people. It's it's quite impressive, really. It, it's People want the information. People want to be healthy. Nobody wants to be a slob eating donuts in the break room, you know, and it's, it's fun. It's, it tastes good for a second, but it's just... It's gross. It is gross. Well, when I met you, you were drinking beer and I told you what beer did to you and you were like, oh, it makes me gross. And I said, yeah, because it basically for the audience listening, beer is, there's very few herbs are pro hormone, meaning they might help move a hormone down a pathway or to, you know, move pathways down to a hormone, but hops specifically is pro estrogenic. Like you might as well be drinking an estrogen tincture. If you're a dude and you're listening and you drink beer, you're basically sucking down a bottle of estrogen. Just know that going in and do things to mitigate it. But, um, you quit drinking beer like right off the bat, which I couldn't, I didn't even tell you to, I was just shocked. I was like, cause you were drinking PBR and IPAs and I told you what they were doing to your testosterone levels. And you just, that was done. Well, yeah. If somebody tells me that I have extra estrogen in my body and I'm a man, like a real man, then yeah, I'm going to stop. I'm going to do immediately what it takes to, to get that stuff out of my body. And that's when I started asking questions and, you know, I was like, okay, so I have some tater tots with my hamburger. Come on. And then, you know, I started learning about the seed oils and all these, all the other things that go along with it. And, um, you know, combine that with beer. So I switched from beer to, high quality whiskey and that, you know, that did the trick for a little while. I, um, obviously don't drink now, but, um, 
yeah, it was uh, it was a good learning experience for sure. And I quit immediately, definitely. Yeah, and I, you quit the tater tots too. It was so cute. Like I didn't most most of the time when I would be, you know, I've I, we met in our mid to late forties, so like we've dated other people, and you go to tell them hey, you know, you might not want to do that. It's not great for you. And like, how do you do that without sounding harpy? So you, you know, I, have to, I always joke that I had to, I had it, I give it about nine months of indoctrination, <laughs> of like slowly introducing the information to you. And, and, you know, cause I don't want to be the Debbie Downer that tells you everything you're doing is bad for you, but you had Pyrex dishes, you had fairly clean soap around your house and cleaning products, which I was really impressed with. You slept like a champ. You listened when I would tell you something, you'd be like, ew, like I told you about seed oils and you were like, yuck, I'm not doing that anymore. And it's been really easy with you because I haven't had to try to convince you of anything or harp on you. I just give you information you realize it makes sense or it doesn't you usually go look it up cutely like the cutest part is you'll usually find one of my friends on instagram who says the same thing and they teach it to you in a way that like resonates if the way i say it hasn't resonated yet eventually it it clicks and you take it on and then the best part is you turn i hear you turn around and teach other people so i'll hear you like talk to your brother or talk to loudon or talk to whomever and you you teach it forward which means you that proves you have some mastery over it so tell me about that so like you you tell these guys on the job site you know, soda, like... Don't. Oh, soda is such a big one. These guys... And then the monster energy drinks and the other... It's it's just poison going into their bodies. So I definitely try to teach it to them. I, I, I'm proud of the fact that I haven't had a soda pop in years, you know. I can't wait to... I'm able to say a decade, you know. But um, I just start there, you know. Especially the the guys that are my age and see that I'm decently fit, you know. I'm I'm... You're in good shape. I'm in pretty decent shape, I'd say. And uh, you see guys my exact age, maybe a little bit younger, that just look bad. The pot belly and the, you know, the um, just the flab on them. And you know their stamina isn't up. And, you know, it's just they don't want to be like that. They want to be an example to the young guys. and, And they want to look good for their spouse or whomever. But nobody wants to be slovenly you know nobody nobody wants that and they just need a little bit of encouragement so i definitely try to encourage them i try and be positive and i i try to you know pay it forward a little bit yeah you lead by example i don't i don't think people ever want to be um feeling that way either like i think that's a good way to say it because a lot of folks maybe you don't have the discipline or the willpower i think a lot of it comes back to their partners at home too you know, it's like, how is the household ran? How is the household eating? How is the house? I find with the females that I work with or have worked with in the past, they'll often say that, you know, my husband won't eat my cooking if I cook this way and my kids won't eat it. So they're making meals for themselves, meals for the husband, meals for the kids. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And you told me when I told you that you were like, I just eat what's put in front of me. Oh, in my household growing up as a kid, definitely. My dad was an MP during Vietnam. He was drafted. My mom owned a hair salon place, and it was me and my brother, and we lived on a small farm. Uh, we definitely had a very large garden every year. We had cattle, and we had some sheep, and uh, we butchered our animals. I hunted and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, if mom put the food down in front of you, you ate it, especially if you were hungry, which at the end of the day, we were hungry because we worked. You know, Even when we were younger kids, just helping getting the firewood in and that sort of stuff, we weren't. You know, back, I guess, in the late 70s, 
you know, there wasn't the video game stuff and there wasn't these glued in front of the TV and, you know, moms throwing their four or five-year-olds in front of Blue's Clues instead of teaching them how to tie their shoes, I guess. So it, it was just a different time, it really. But to answer your question, I get hungry. I get very hungry and I'm very good at a few things and eating is one of them. So if it was put in front of me and I was hungry, I ate it. If you followed me for any amount of time, you know that I'm constantly beating the drum on having optimal metabolic health, especially as we age, especially as we are walking into menopause and andropause. Hands down, my favorite biohacking device for this is the NutriSense Continuous Glucose Monitor Program. This program comes complete with an awesome app that shows you all the graphs, registered dietitians that are experts in helping you interpret that information, and they get how I suggest eating. Like They get it. They're on the tip. There's a Facebook group for accountability and community and so much more. The NutriSense CGM program will help you make better lifestyle choices that may help you avoid chronic conditions down the line. 94% of Americans have busted metabolisms, guys. This is a problem. I've teamed up with NutriSense and they are generously giving listeners of the Dr. Tina show $30 off any subscription to any of their programs right now. Well, I highly suggest committing to three to six months of this. I myself do it quarterly. My metabolism is pretty dialed in. Even if you do it for a month, regardless, you get two monitors per month. They've got 14 days use on them. They're painless. They're easy to apply. You hardly know they're even there. Use the link in the show notes and use the coupon code DrTina, D-R-T-Y-N-A, to get $30 off your first subscription. I highly suggest you give this a try, especially if you're trying to make 2023, like I am, the hottest and happiest year yet. We've covered sleep. You're very good at that. You're very good at eating. You're very good at working and you're very good at sex. And so we're going to talk about that because everybody wants to hear about that. I read a statistic that people our age are in their late 40s, early 50s are having sex once a month. (laughs) That is shocking. That is unacceptable. What's the age? (laughs) What's the age group there you mentioned? 40 to 50? No, like late, late 40s. I don't know. I Maybe it was 40 to 50 was the age group. I was just, whatever age we fell into when I looked it up, I was shocked. They're having sex once a month. Yeah, that is a person's drive. Where does it go? I mean, my drive is the same as it was when I was a very young man. I did, I'm not going to say teenager, I guess, but, you know, as a young man, my drive is definitely still there. And I, I think being in shape is, is, is paramount. Yes. Well, that's, that's like key. Because if you like sex, which I do, then I need somebody to have sex with me. And for somebody to want to have sex with me, if I was grossly obese or even obese at all, it would be harder for me to find somebody that wanted to have sex with me. So I naturally would want to keep my uh, face trimmed and my hair cut and smelling nice and clean and also, I should probably have a little bit of muscle structure and not not be – I should be attractive, I guess. Yeah, if you want to get laid. Yeah. 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 That's a <laughs> pretty important part of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that folks get comfy when they're married and they forget that. But I – and I realize we, it's hard for us to speak on this because, you know, you and I are only have only been together a few years. But, like, I want to be – 
like I go crazy when I see you. I seriously like big heart poppy, like the cartoon character with the eyes, heart eyes popping out of her head. That is every time I see you, whether you're dirty or clean or dressed or asleep or looking like right now, you really need a haircut (laughs) and a beard trim. But like, I'm so crazy about you because I find you so attractive and I hope that you look at me the same way. And of course, and I, but I work hard to stay in that shape so that you want to, I mean, I want you to look at me like that forever. I mean, I want to be 80 years old and having you run around grabbing my boobs and butt like you always do. And definitely we are the animal kingdom. It's the same way. The big bad lion, he's got the hottest lioness, you know, it's just kind of the way it works. You know, they groom themselves for a reason to not only stay clean and healthy, but also to attract a mate. And so, you know, when you're looking hot at the gym or you're out on a two-mile run and the guy drives by checking you out, um, start worrying when they don't check you out. You that's, know? What my, that's what my mom always says. <laughs> that's what my mom always says. I one time I got offended because somebody I I got I've been I've been catcalled a lot and somebody whistled at me or something and I got mad. My mom was like, I was like in the throes of my liberal Uber, and I'm talking like. I had gone pretty far left at that point, and she was like, "You should get mad when they stop whistling at you." Definitely, <laughs> so, definitely. But it's a good point, you know. I in the so I've studied a lot of um, animal behavior, zoology, mammalian behavior, and mammals have a social hierarchy, and whether we like it or not, a lot of that in all mammals, including humans, and they've done studies on humans, attractiveness. It, ranks very high because um, we, you and I were talking about this yesterday. The sole purpose of a mammal is to reproduce and create viable offspring that can also reproduce. And for some reason, humans have completely abandoned that. I think part of it's birth control because birth control, I don't know if you know this, the birth, the pill actually, and I, I was sharing this like well over a decade ago and people, it's like becoming more popular now, but the pill actually ruins the female sense of smell. And so to a degree where she can't sniff out like we choose our partners as mammal as fancy mammals with opposable thumbs i we choose each other based on opposite immune systems so that my screwed up immune system won't have the same screwed upness as yours and vice versa and genetically so that your genes will offset mine and mine will offset yours that's how naturally occurring mating happens for all mammals and the birth control pill messes that up so we have decades of women who have sniffed out the wrong partner to mate with and reproduce with. Isn't that wild? Oh, it's amazing. So that's, I think, explains a lot but um, <laughs> of like the last few generations. But I think that attract, I don't think, I know, attractiveness ranks high for mammalian societies, all mammalian, like being attractive and fit. It's not just beauty, it's like, a woman who's healthy across the world, they've looked at data across the world, different cultures, tribes, and a hip to waist ratio of 0.7 is ideal, meaning the waist is smaller than the hips in a way for females in a way that it's the waist is 70% the size of the hips is basically it, 70 to 80. And above 80, you start you start to look at health problems, meaning the waist is getting thicker. That is a sign that the woman's walking into metabolic syndrome and diabetes. And metabolically unsound and diabetic women don't have readily viable offspring. 
that's much harder for them to get pregnant. In fact, busted blood sugar is like one of the key reasons why someone can't get pregnant in the first place or maintain a pregnancy. So anyway, um, that's a thing. Symmetrical faces is a thing with with babies looking at humans, adult humans. And then with women, we have a similar ratio of shoulders to waist. There's a the V shape that a man is supposed to look like, like a healthy human male. That's actually considered attractive across cultures. It has nothing to do with modern culture or magazines or media. Everyone's like, oh, well, that's what we've been fed to believe is normal. No, actually tribal societies that don't look at magazines or mainstream media have the same exact ratios of specificity. Like they want to see a man with broader shoulders than waist and men want a smaller waist than hips. And that is how you have healthy offspring. And we've got it completely ass backwards. That's why we're going extinct. Yeah, we've got a bunch of potato shaped people <laughs> with diabetes and everybody's like, I wonder what's going, what's going, why is everything going wrong? Why are sperm counts 60% lower than they were you know, when our kids were young. Lack of sunlight and uh, video games and the pornography industry. The, the list goes on with the debauchery of the uh, the media, the, um, the television. There's a, If we got back into nature a little bit and just went for a walk, uh, we'd be so f- better off as a society. That brings me to walking. You are so funny because I'll say, hey, babe, you want to go for a walk with me? Because I love going for walks with you. And And I'm like, hey, I walked around all day today, (laughs) like working and I'm kind of tired. So I'm out of the walk today. You (laughs) can go for your walk and think about me if you want, but I'll be here in the house. Yes. But walking after a meal is really good for you. And people should do that more. So you should go for a walk with me after meals because it helps you not get diabetes. I will do my best to accommodate you. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about sleep. We've talked about exercise. We've talked about sex, you know, and sex going back to that every single day. Like that's the goal, right? We don't much every day. Yeah. We don't always hit it, but no, not always, but that's Usually the MO for us, you know, once in the morning. And you, and that's actually when both of our testosterone levels are highest. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. But mine feels really high in the morning. So <laughs> I would like to alleviate that feeling. And that's what I do. You have the best erections I've ever encountered. I, I don't know how to say that without sounding, giving away too much information, but it's good. Um, so your T levels are high in the morning. Our T levels are high in the morning. So ladies, if your husband initiates sex in the morning, take him up on it, do it, go after it, initiate it yourself if, you, if you're feeling it. But like, I never say no unless I'm really, and if I don't feel good, you just leave me alone. Like if, oh, I, sure, if I ate something I shouldn't have, or if I got glutened or whatever, you're always really good. But, and you always let me sleep if I'm too tired. That's true. You give me a little nudge. I don't know what you do. You give me some, what do you do you, to see if I'm awake? Oh, I just... You, like, rub my hip or something. Just rub you or whatever and see if you're awake or not. And, yeah, we usually wake up about the same time anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and so on that, something really important for me is every single night when we sit down to watch some TV is I come cuddle with you on the couch and you give me some love. And that, like, the reason I say this is because for women, foreplay is different than for men. And, like, that is so critical that I get that every night. I feel so much better when I get to have some. That's, like, my favorite. I love having sex with you. But that is, like, my favorite intimate time is when I get to just cuddle with you on the couch for 
And then when I'm done, I'm done. And I well, my cuddles are pretty spectacular. <laughs> so, but it's so you you receive that and you reciprocate it, and therefore, like it's much easier for me to say yes in the morning, even if I'm not feeling right up to it right away. I always get into it, but you know what I'm saying. Like I share this with people because I think that it's these little small things that people don't realize with in their coupledom and their, especially if they've been married a long time. It's like. You give me a little time in the evening when I need some love and affection, and that translates into you getting laid every morning. Oh, yeah, definitely. And people have to realize what, don't be insecure in the morning. Like so many people are, oh, I don't look good in the morning or or my teeth aren't brushed or whatever. It's like, no, I'm ready to do this, so it's going to happen. Um, but insecurities i guess for people a lot of people they don't feel confident or secure in the morning and one partner's ready to go and the other partner thinks they don't look pretty so insecurity is not attractive um to me anyway yeah i'm not worried about my teeth or my no we're partners and we you know everybody you take your showers in the evening so you're ready to go in the morning that is the key to success that's the key i was thinking about that this morning (laughs) you take your shower at night (laughs) we were having sex and i was like you're ready to go he smells so good because he takes a you've taught me that too the shower at night thing that's like a pearl you guys that's that's a big one because the shower at night and sometimes we'll take a shower together but the shower at night is key and then we're clean in the morning and we're good to go Oh, definitely. You take a shower because the reason you take a shower at night is because you just, you worked all day and you come in filthy. You look like Pigpen from the Peanuts. Like you're a disaster of dirt and there's like stuff stuck all over your clothes. So you take your clothes off outside because they're so dirty. And then you go immediately and take your shower. And that, I had never done that before. I had never even considered that a thing, but like it leads to easy sex in the morning. Oh, and easy sex is the best sex. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, and the other thing I do as a man, you know, I I relieve my bladder before I wake up Tina. So there, that's a good cat's out of the bag, fellas, right there. You know, before she wakes up, you go relieve your bladder and you're ready to go. Is that, is that so you can have a good erection? No, it's it's so I, I don't have to pee while we're having sex. This peeing while you needing to pee while you have sex, it, it affects orgasm. Definitely, it affects, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it's hard to. Well, you, yeah, yeah. You're it's hard to orgasm when you have to pee. You still get erect, but uh, you know, you're gonna be there for a while. So speaking of, you have a whole. We don't have to get into it, but like you definitely have always taken care of your penis, like you have always made sure to keep your pelvic floor healthy through different strategies of like learning how to like, you were telling me like hold your urine. Like there's a certain pee thing that you. Yeah. When you uh, are urinating and then you stop urinating, you're training the muscles in your pelvic floor, which I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew it made me better at sex. <laughs> so and my partners enjoyed it. So <laughs> I mean, this is all trial and error. And as a young man, I read, you know, Penthouse and that sort of stuff. I'm of that age. Um, Today, people are reading all kinds of stuff online. And, you know, anyway. um, So, yeah, at a young age, I I knew I liked sex. I tried to brush up on it. I tried to get good at it. But you had some, like, you have some, like, penis health strategies. Yeah, when your penis is semi-hard and you grab it by the base and you 
tighten up your grip and then you go forward away from your body, um, it, it trains all those blood vessels to get rock hard. It's just like doing a bicep, I guess. I mean, it was always my, um, what I was thinking. Yeah. You and, take, you take um, good care of it. And with- a lot of this is trial and error. And after you have sex then you go wash your penis with soap and water in the sink. And if somebody asks you why you're, if your partner asks you why, especially if you're young, you're just like, Hey, that's how you, you're open about it. You know, that's how you take care of this and that. And, you know, and. And ladies go pee after you have sex right away. Go pee every single time. Go urinate so that you don't get a urinary tract infection. Because as we age, our estrogen in our vaginal area decreases and our vaginal tissues start to atrophy and shrink away. And with that comes a very high uh induction of risk for urinary tract infections. And this is why a lot of elderly women will suffer with chronic UTIs because their estrogen has, you know, gone away so much that their vaginal tissues have atrophied. And if you don't use your vagina, you lose your vagina for real. It will atrophy very quickly. And I've had people that I've worked, you know, women I've worked with who their husband died or, you know, women who've gotten divorced and then they're not having any sex and the next thing they know they're dealing with chronic urinary tract infections because their vaginal tissue has shrunken away so i can you know men it's the same thing if you don't use it you lose it yeah that's not good you don't want to lose either of those things so you have these little tips and tricks which we don't have to go into detail on but you have some tips and tricks and strategies to even if you're not having sex like you just keep your penis healthy that was something i noticed about you like i'd never met someone who actually had focused on having a really good healthy penis that's because if you you got to be good at something right? <laughs> you might as well be good at sex you know <laughs> good at sleeping good at sex Good at eating, good at working. Yeah. You know? I mean, my life is simple. I live by a simple code, you know. Other men, tell your young men this sort of stuff. Like, you got to teach the young guys what's up. You can't, we can't raise a generation of, of weak people, you know. It's just part of being a man, I guess. I love it. Well, I think you just summarized the entire podcast. So we probably <laughs> could end there. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Get your sleep dialed, get your sex dialed, get your work life dialed so you're working or exercising or whatever it is and, you know, eat your meat. And be good to your female partners, men, you know, learn how to cook good, learn how to have sex good. They will appreciate it. You'll have a better life. Yeah, it really, you being such a strong, masculine, healthy man has really helped me bring out the most feminine version of me and the kindest version of me that I've ever been. So I appreciate you for that because I always, like I said, I was such a feminist and such like a hardcore independent woman. And I would frown upon that in men. I'd be like, man, I'd end up with these kind of beta boys. And you have really helped me through your strong masculinity be like, it It brings out all the good right female hormones for me and makes me a better woman. So I love you, Bubba. Well, I love you too. And you make me a better man. You soften me up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being a mean old grump. <laughs> I can still be a mean old grump sometimes. But. Awesome. Well, I I appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a long time, you guys. And I, I finally got him to say yes. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I don't know if we brought anything new that I haven't told you before, but hopefully hearing it from him will help it settle in. And, um, 
share it with your men, ladies. I'm, I'm hoping to have it stick with them because again, they, for you to have your optimal health, you need your men and partners, whether it's other women, whatever, whatever your partner preference is, um, you need a healthiest, the healthiest version of them for you to be the healthiest version of you. And that's it. I will be back next week. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition. Condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcasts' top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.